know that smoothness coming at you when we're live back at you in action attacking your speakers from the bleachers this is the third and three podcast presented by the sports column and brought to you in conjunction with the real deal with damien adams and the root for sports podcast we got the best team in the league kids so you're tuned into the right station Here's our big three. Ladies first, as always, as I present to you the queen of sports trivia, Miss Tricky Nikki G. What's happening, kiddo? Thank you. I love that. I'm good. Happy to be here with you guys. Another Sunday. So, ready to get rolling. Yes, it is. Sunday indeed. Sunday fun day. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look at that. You see, great minds think alike. That's what we're talking about. That's it. You know? All right. Hey, we got the culture of our team in the house, too. Mr. Damian Adams was able to actually conquer knowledge with Nikki, beating me in the process on our last show. So I owe you a little something today to see what happens. As we know, as we know, D, Nikki asked a lot of crazy, tough questions. And you were on fire last show, my friend. I got to give it to you. Yeah, I definitely had a good episode with the trivia. I was ready. Well said, we my friend. <laughs> they don't exist here. We don't do that sort of stuff. We only do good things like buy 49er jerseys. And I got mine, guys. It finally came. Number 12 with my last name on the back. And... I got it. It looks beautiful, and I wear it every day. I wore it asleep last night. I'm wearing it now. It's, I love this freaking jersey so much. You know that only five players in 49ers history ever wore number 12? And this guy, you know, John Brody, was like the best quarterback. And, like, I'm talking like 57 through 73. He played one MVP, yada, yada. And he had his number retired. Now, check this out. He's got his number retired for like 40 years, right? Trent Dilfer, who's buddies with him, asks him if he can wear number 12 and basically take it out of retirement like a like a tribute to him. And he says, yes, John Brody. I don't know how old he was at the time. He must have been senile because Dilfer played like four or five games for us. And that was it. So that was a complete waste of time. But I got number 12 in between, <laughs> in between Steve Young and Joe Montana. Mathematically, I feel like I fit in. You know, I'm like, you know, the same. So uh, there you go. That's how we got it going down right now. So I got my jersey, and I'm pretty happy, guys. I'm pretty happy. I'm not going to lie to you. Let's get this thing going here. You want to kick off the show or what? Let's go. Let's do this thing. Neighborhood news. Oh, who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Let's get to it. Neighborhood news. I want to start off with something that a little talkative right here, guys. Seahawks rookie. And if you're a rookie, you want to do everything right to get on the team. And this dude, Kamas Siverand, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. The stunt that he pulled, Damien, I'll go to you first. That was something else. Dressing up a female in Seahawks gear, and he got caught and obviously cut from the team. I mean, dude, are you kidding me? Right away, and is that a sign of things to come? What was that? That was that was bad. It was extremely, extremely, extremely stupid. Horrible. Right. And not only is he a rookie, but he's an undrafted rookie. Right. So right. When you think about the fact that you're an undrafted rookie 
And you have to, not only do you have to fall out to get noticed to get on the roster during training camp, but you got to do everything right. You got to get the coffee right, get by donuts correctly. Yeah, you got to get everything right. And the fact that you're going to take this chance to sneak in, you know, your significant other or, you know, whoever it is that you're trying to sneak in, it was just extremely stupid. He probably, that's it. He probably doesn't get another chance on another roster because he hadn't, he didn't get a chance to prove himself as somebody who, you know, I guess played well in college, but well enough, not well enough to get drafted. You make this mistake and now your dream might be done. It's extremely stupid. Hopefully his example, you know, is something that other players take very seriously and don't take the risk of doing this. Yeah, Tim, I was just like, wow, yeah, that was bad news when that happened. That was crazy. Nikki, your thoughts on that? Because uh, real quick, if, if you don't mind, what, what was what came to your head when you heard this news? Oh, man, this guy, he tried to shoot his shot, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean okay, she was what? Or, I'm sorry, his visitor was trying to be disguised as a player. I mean, you tried. Uh, you tried, you failed, but, uh, yeah, that was pretty stupid. Come on now. Yeah, and another thing, like, you know, nobody's walking around in their Seahawks gear either, and, you know, you got sweatpants on and a T-shirt, so that, that was even worse. It made it stand out, but I don't know what they could have done. Forget it. This guy's no Sherlock Holmes, that's for sure. That's unfortunate. Something else is unfortunate. A really good player went to the Cowboys, Everson Griffin from Minnesota, uh, so eesh, gosh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't really like that. Uh, he was just going to the Cowboys, all these players shoveling over there. We'll see what happens. There is a story altogether. Really good news is Alex Smith cleared to play after literally almost dying guys a couple of years ago from his leg injury that got really infected. I'm, I'm not going to get into all that, but God bless. He's back and we'll see what happens with him and Dwayne Haskins. Nikki, you think Alex Smith, if he shows what he can do, that Ron Rivera, the new coach in town, who didn't draft Dwayne Haskins, you think that he would, you know, consider starting Smith? Yeah, why? I mean, why wouldn't you? You got to start whoever's going to give you the best opportunity to win. But did you guys see his video? I think it was on Twitter what last night or this morning of his family celebrating. I don't know if you watched. The yes, I saw it. Good, good for him. Like that is a hell of a comeback. I hope he gets a shot. I don't want him to destroy us if he does, but good for Alex Smith. I'm happy for him. Yeah, no doubt, Damien, because Alex Smith is a guy that I – it was like a roller coaster ride with me drafting him number one back in 2005, not performing well, of course. And uh, then he really started coming around 2010, 2011, you know, and then Colin Kaepernick came in, so we know the whole story. But it, what he did in Kansas City and now in Washington, you know, it's great that he's back. I'm so happy. But the whole Dwayne Haskins thing, man, what's your what's your spot on that? Yeah, you have to when you draft somebody that high in the first round with QB, you have to give them a shot. Now, if they're in training camp and Alex Smith is just heads and shoulders above Haskins, then you have to go with the best guy. But if this if it's close, the tie's gonna go to the younger guy. Because right. you have to see what you have in that guy. Alex Smith is a great story. You have, if he's there as a backup, you have a great backup, a veteran who can teach Haskins the way. But if it's close, you have to go to Haskins. But Smith, we've seen him perform even before he got hurt. Washington was playing well. A lot of people forget that. They were in the playoff hunt in a division race before he got hurt that year. So That's right. he's somebody who definitely can lead your team. But Haskins, if you believe he's special, you have to give him a shot if it's close. 
Uh, well, I basically agree with you because, like you said, in the first round, if you're going to draft somebody that high, and it's unfortunate they don't have a lot of good players around him, but, yeah, you have to give him a shot almost no no matter how great Alex Smith is playing. Now, if, you know, he struggles, of course, and you get Alex Smith to come back in and, and, you know, play ball and see what happens. So that'll be interesting. But, again, we're all happy that he is back and healthy. Hard knocks, interesting. Double, they're doing a double team over here. It's a documentary on both L.A. teams, the Rams and the Chargers. So that should be interesting as they're sharing a new stadium. And uh, on to the college real quick, guys. Look, with the news that came out earlier this week, the Big Ten out, Pac-12 out, Ivy League, we knew about UConn, we knew about other things. But, uh, you know, the ACC, uh, SEC, the Big 12, you know, they're putting their schedules together and they're ready to go to play more in-conference schedules. Damien, I, uh, I don't know if I should put it to you this way. Would you let your kid or would you want to be in the situation, meaning that would you want to play knowing the risks or are you more like Big Ten maybe made the right decision over here? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. If I had a kid that was in college that was playing football, I most likely probably wouldn't want him to play, especially with college. It's way too many kids to try to keep safe. You can't do any type of bubble. Like even last week when we talked about the NFL having the money to bubbleize, you know, their, their product. College football, even if they have the money, it's just way too many kids, way too many people. Because the college football rosters are way more than the NFL rosters. So right. it's for me, how do you keep them safe? So if I had a kid, I probably wouldn't want them to play. I understand living, growing up in Louisiana, how it's different down there when it comes to football. The SEC, Texas, like down there, football is life. And True. football drives the economy so much down there. Like when LSU season is going well, the economy booms. Like last year, we didn't win a championship. It really gave a boost to the whole state. So I understand from that standpoint why they still want to go. But when you have all these conferences falling out, does the championship even mean anything now if you win it this year with like half the team's not playing? So for me, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, uh, uh, Nikki, I'm going to go to you in a second. I think that you hit it on the head. You said that the economy boosts when these teams do well. So, again, this is about money, all right? It's about money. This whole Don't let anybody be fooled about anything else. This entire thing is about money, and that's why, you know, the ACC, uh, SEC, and so, you know, a few others are doing this. But um, to me, Nikki, I I think, again, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 made the right move over here. To know what information they're all getting, like, are you not all receiving the same information? Apparently how, not. Uh, yeah, how are you not all on the same page? Like, like again, I say, you know, I coach you sports. I know you guys do too. They've canceled our cheer season, our football season. It's unfortunate for these kids, but logistically, it was damn near impossible to keep everybody safe, keep the coaches out of liabilities and lawsuits and the league. So I can't imagine on a college scale. And why are we divided? But like you guys said, it is a money grab. It's always a money grab with college sports. It is ridiculous. I don't have kids, but if I did, I don't think I'd want them playing either. I just can't believe they can't get on the same page because they have to do a money grab. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a problem. It, it really is a problem because, again, it is a money grab to me and to a lot of people, and that's really just what it seems like, obviously. And, no, I wouldn't want my kid playing. And, again, a lot of information that we do and don't know. So, 
it's a rough one. I, I would rather them just try to find a way to push it back to the spring and see what's going on from there, or even start it in February. I don't know, but we're going to spend. Why can't they all do that? Why but, can't somebody just? Why? Why is that so difficult? I mean, without getting like political, I understand our country is divided and not everyone can get on the same page and follow a single rule. But like, why can't sports just get on the same page? Why can't colleges set the example? Like, you have an opportunity to set an example and you blow it. It's just mind-blowing to me. It really is. I know. I wouldn't want to be held liable if, God forbid, something happened and these no. kids got sick. You know? that That's another thing, Damien. That's like if you're thinking of being a coach or the president of the school or whatever, you're held liable for this stuff. Yeah. And that's another thing. It might make these kids sign forms where they're giving away their rights to sue the school if something happens. That's so crazy. If one of those forms comes across my table and I'm a parent, I'm definitely not letting my kid go play. You understand? There's some kids who may be on the fringe of being drafted. So those kids are going to be ones that's going to be more willing to take the risk because they're like, oh, I have to get more tape out there to make my dream come true. And that's when you get into dangerous situations because you have kids who are a little more desperate to get tape out there because they believe they're one of the best. They just haven't had a chance to show it yet. And that's where you'll have a kid who's going to be willing to sign that liability form. And that's where it gets really dangerous. So hopefully, I, I feel like, you know, the SEC especially is still going to go through with it. But let's hope, you know, we don't have any situation where something like that happens. Right. <laughs> but it, it's, again, it seems almost inevitable. Uh, it, it'll play out the way it plays out. Let's just hope that everybody is safe and healthy. But, uh, God, all right. But we're going to spend a lot more time on this topic because there's a lot more that we want to talk about probably in the next show because we got a lot to we want to get here. Uh, real quick, Blazers getting the eighth seed. They've been hot, man. They get the Lakers in the first round. That's going to be a tough one. So we got the NBA playoff picture all set and ready to go. We're going to spend more time on that as well. But really quick before we get into, uh, again, the topics of today, I did want to ask Damien because he is a New Orleans diehard fan and the, the Pelicans. I'm so, and again, I'm not taking a shot at you, bro, but they, it, it was seemed like an inevitable thing firing Alvin Gentry, um, the head coach of the Pelicans. Are you on board with that? Yeah, no, I, I made a video last week uh, talking about how I didn't believe Alvin Gentry was the guy for the future. Right. For us. Um, he, as a head coach, he hasn't been proven to have a sustained success, period, any place that he's been. He'll have a good season here, a good season there, but his style of play with no defense being played doesn't win championships. The cliche defense wins championships is a cliche for a reason, because it's true. And his teams don't play defense. And with a young team like we have, you have to instill those things early so that you don't develop bad habits without talent that we have. So I think it's time for us to go in a different direction. I think he's a great assistant coach. He's somebody who can coach offense very well. He can be a great assistant somewhere else, but it's time for us to move forward. And, you know, you don't want to celebrate somebody getting fired, but I do believe it was the right move for the Pelicans to have a brighter future. Yeah, it's just, you know, I think a big part of it too, uh, guys, is that Zion, Wills, Zion Williamson, excuse me, barely played this year. And had he been playing in the bubble, which, again, I don't understand, he played for four-minute spurts at a time which was kind of, you know, crazy. I don't want to get into that whole thing. But if he had played more, I, you know, they probably could have grabbed the eighth seed and then maybe he wouldn't have been fired. But I understand your reasoning for it. But Zion Williamson had a big thing to do with that. 
Um, I don't really understand that whole thing. It was really just very, very strange, guys. Really strange. But anyway, um, yeah, we'll see. The Pelicans, I believe, do have a bright future. We'll see who's going to be uh, coaching them into that. Nikki Damian, it is Mount Player Player time. And the theme this week is most underrated athletes in pro sports as Last week, we did the most overrated athletes, so I cannot wait to get into this one with you guys, underrated style. We had Joe Namath last time for, you know, overrated, a whole bunch of other guys, but we're doing it underrated right now, and I got a few, and I have a feeling that Damien and I are sharing a couple right now, right off the top. So we're going to allow Nikki to go first and give her number one most underrated athlete in pro sports. Okay, my number one most underrated athlete, Russell Wilson. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Damien, I'm going to throw it to you in a second. I think that you killed it right there. And I don't, I should smack myself for not having him on my list. I don't know why, but you're right. I mean, look, he does get the love, but Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are getting more of the love right now and other players like that. But Russell Wilson, guys, you, you've heard me say it on the show a million times. He's the best quarterback in the league, in my opinion, even still, yes, over Patrick Mahomes right now. So, Nikki. On my part, great job. Damien, what do you think? I totally agree. I think that Russell, Harrison, Wilson is one of the most most underrated athletes, not just now, but ever. And you look at what he's able to do with – and the thing is, it's not like he gets every opportunity because that team is married to running the ball. Without I love running the ball, you have to do it smartly. And I feel like sometimes they just run the ball just to run it. And they don't have – he doesn't get the amount of passes that other elite quarterbacks get to be able to prove himself like they do as far as their stats. His efficiency, the way – he's probably the best ever at making something out of nothing. Some of the plays he makes where he just can run around, the next thing you know, he throws this beautiful 30-yard pass after, you know, that 
Rogers is amazing. Simply amazing. Yeah, he's he should go down as one of the best to ever do it. Hopefully he does get an MVP. Um, but if he doesn't, it shouldn't go against his resume or be a mark of a you know, black guy on his legacy at all. He's definitely one of the best in the league today and will be one of the best to ever do it. Yep, no doubt about it. I agree. I agree. He's got, you know, he's finished in like third or second or whatever, a couple of, I, I think maybe third or whatever it was, maybe the best that he got. But you're right, even last year or the year before that, he could have won MVP. So I, I'm so with you. And again, it's, it's a lot of it is because of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and, you know, these new players coming in and everything. That That's why he's not getting the love that he deserves. So I am so with you. Because everybody loved Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, probably. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And it's not like he's a braggadocious guy either, so that may be part of it too. So, Nikki, uh, yeah, you know, he's not talked about enough as being the elite player that he is uh and and totally elite there's no question about it so bravo on that one no doubt let's get your top one in there uh damien let's see what you got okay so you, you went with a current guy who's young i went with an older guy who uh he has he passed away so rest in peace to him but i think he's one of the most underrated athletes ever had to go with moses malone wow good job good job So right, because you know what people today hear Malone, they think of Carl Malone probably. That that's like the first thing that goes to their head. And Moses Malone, look, I wasn't obviously in my prime to see him. You know, I was very young, but I've seen tapes, read about him, and I even remember reading something uh, maybe about four or five months ago about him being one of the most underrated basketball players of all time. So. I'm totally with you there just by the statistics alone. And that one that you threw out there, 
that's a hell of a stat, man. All those points and rebounds together, that is that's amazing. So I, I can't argue with that at all. Nope. No argument from the peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> nope, definitely not. All right, all right, let's see. Here we go. Uh, all right, let's go with my number one, who I, I have a feeling it's on your list, Damien, but I'm just taking a shot at that one. Curtis Martin, all right. This guy, is he on your list? Yeah. He is. I had a feeling he would be. I, I knew. We, again, those great minds think alike thing. He, this, all right, this guy rushed for 1,000 yards in his first 10 seasons. All right, try this. I'm going to say it again. 1,000 yards in his first 10 seasons. So he's not a rookie who came in there and did his flashy thing, and he was out in year four or five. He continued to do it. Just an incredible player. Sixth on the all-time rushing list. And because, again, he wasn't a braggadocious guy and didn't promote himself like Russell Wilson, he wasn't recognized by the fans and the media as this great running back. I mean, uh, yeah, some people did give him love, but he was a total machine on the field. And every time he was called on, he seemed to come through. And he got a lot of his yardage as a New York Jet, so that's even more impressive. That's amazing right there. (laughs) You know? Right? I mean, that alone, my God, there would have been nothing without him. My goodness. And, yeah, the only season in his career he didn't rush for over 1,000 yards was uh, in 2005, and he missed four games. And had he played those four games, he think he had about 800 yards, he would have ran for over 1,000 again. So sixth on the all-time list as a couple of players have recently passed him. Uh, I think Adrian Peterson maybe won from as a matter of fact. But Curtis Martin just – Look, if you're a Jet fan or a Patriot fan, you know how incredible he is. And if you're an NFL fan like the three of us are, then you know that, again, statistically and every game that you can count on him to do what he's got to do, Damian. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Have him on my list. The fact that his second to last year in the league, he led the league in rushing. I'm sure just how consistent he was throughout his entire career. You mentioned only one year under a thousand yards where he missed games. That was last year, and only had two seasons where he was underneath eleven hundred yards. So for most of his career, he's over eleven hundred rushing yards for the season, just extremely consistent. And that's the difference between average to good, good to great is consistency. And one man that really gives you the picture of consistency was Curtis Martin. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. You know, Nikki, I know you're familiar with uh, Curtis Martin, obviously. And again, just like Russell Wilson, how you mentioned, he didn't get that love because he was another like, you know, I mean, Barry Sanders got the love because he was over here and over there like the flash, but handing the ball to the referee kind of guy, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, hey, consistency and availability goes a long way in the league, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. Sure. Especially to do a majority of it, you know, you got on the Jets. Like, that. that is a feat unbelievable alone. But I feel like, I don't know how you guys feel, but I was doing my list. And there's a lot of guys who are just, like, not flashy and therefore all of a sudden just kind of become underrated because they don't have the media personality or the big flashy personality. You're right. You're right. I mean, like Damien, like maybe another guy, you know, like I I would think about, I don't think that he's on the underrated list. Maybe he is. I mean, I hope I'm not ruining anything for anybody, but like, he's not, he's not on my list, but like a guy like Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, I mean, he didn't really like, he wasn't break though. He just did his thing on the court and was amazing. I don't know. So yeah, guys like that, they don't get all that, you know, crazy sort of love. So I understand that that plays a part into it. Obviously it certainly does. 
But we're going to get into more crazy stuff over here. We're going to take a really quick break. And by that, I mean like 60 seconds. And we'll be right back. Got to go to a quick commercial right now. We're still doing a player player. We're doing the underrated version, underrated players of all time. We got more to go. This is me, Jason Fearman. I got Nikki right over here, the tricky Nikki, and Damian Adams in the house. Third and three podcasts. We're coming right back at you. Hang in. Uh oh, watch out. Britney's back in the house. Hang on a second over here. Hang on, hang on. Britney's rocking, and so are we. We're rocking and we're rolling. Third and free podcast, kicking your ass as we always do. We are back for session two, and we're doing Mount Player Player, most overrated players so far. My first one was Curtin excuse me, Curtis Martin. Damien, you had. Moses Malone, right? That was your first one. Yeah. Moses Malone, and they- that—that's it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man, and Nikki came out with one that I should have had on my list, and that's Russell Wilson. You know that about, and I hate talking so much love about Russell Wilson, but. The fact is, the fact is, is what it is. And that's the bottom line. He's a great player. So we're going to have to take it. That's it. So here we go. We're going to keep now play a player going again as Nikki is ready with her next one. And I am on my heels ready to hear it. Let's get it going. What you got, Nikki? All right. Another criminally underrated player. You guys probably have him on your list. Marvin Harrison. Mm. Okay. Played his entire career for the Colts and was a true workhorse. I mean, you think about Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, and is that just not a devastating combo? It is. <laughs> Up until <laughs> the 2019 season when Michael Thomas broke his record at 144 receptions, Marvin Harrison held the record since 2002 at 143. He had eight consecutive seasons. Of catching at least 10 touchdowns, and he's got the one Super Bowl win. But I feel like his quiet demeanor, like we had talked about in the last segment, just because he was a, has this quiet demeanor, he's not this huge media personality, people just want to kick him to some like second-tier status when it comes to all-time greatness. And I just think that's terribly unfair because I'm sorry, but to hold a record from 2002 up until last season, that is incredible. Damien, I'm going to let you go first on this one, bro. What do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. My Harrison is one of the best to ever do it. Some people take credit away from him because he played with Peyton Manning. But you look at the tape, right, just the eye test and see how he was able to get separation during his route. Some of the best route running you're ever going to see was from Marvin Harrison. And there's a reason that his stats are up there with the best of all time. Like you said, like you said it's a, a quiet guy. So you're not going to get the excitement we got from a Moss and a T.O. and those guys. But Marvin Harrison is definitely right there with those guys because of his ability. And he was also not going to take too many hits, right? And people try to knock him for that, but that's smart. 
he had a very long career because he wasn't going to take too many hits. He knew when to get down. Made some incredible catches, like some of the best one-handed catches I can remember off the top of my head are from Marvin Harrison, so I definitely agree that he's underrated. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, he obviously not a big guy. You know, I mean, he looks small in his jersey, to be honest with you, but he, he did it. He was Peyton Manning's go-to guy even when Reggie Wayne was there. And Reggie Wayne, of course, as we know, was a great wide receiver himself. And did Peyton Manning make them? Did they make Peyton? No, I, I think they both, you know, helped each other out, obviously. But Marvin Harrison was always, always, always open. I remember him blowing by Deion Sanders one time. He was like 10 yards ahead of him. Was he had Deion a little bit more toward the end of his career. But that's all well and good. He did it against anybody and everybody. If he got off the line, you were done. You were finished. If he got clean off the line, there was no way you were going to stop him. I remember him on slam patterns, and yeah, he put his head down, and he would go out of bounds, Damian, you're right, but that's the smart thing to do. You want to live to play. Why take a hit that's unnecessary? And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. We we all say, Lamar Jackson, run out of bounds, run out of bounds. Well, to me, it should be the same for just about every player, right? You know, you don't want to take unnecessary hits unless, I guess, you're George Kittle, and you just feel like hitting people running down the field. He, like, actually goes for them. He's... He's a nutball all, all in itself. So, uh, Nikki, we're with you over there. We're rocking and rolling. We good. We all agree so far. I haven't heard one uh, one bad one yet. Uh, Damien, it is your turn. Number two on your list, underrated players of all time. Okay, so you already did Curtis Martin, so I'm going to move to my next guy on my list. And this guy goes against the grain of the theme that we have, like the quiet guys, right? This guy definitely wasn't quiet. He's still not quiet now. <laughs> talking about the round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley. Oh. Charles Barkley has become criminally underrated throughout the years. And one of the reasons is that, like, he's on TV arguing with Shaq, and Shaq just throws his rings in his face. And the fact that Charles Barkley didn't win a championship, people just kind of like, oh, he was cool. He was a cool player, but he didn't win a championship. Charles Barkley was so good. First of all, he played power forward in the NBA at 6'5". Right? right. The fact that he was playing power forward and was a star at 6'5", playing that position, is crazy. And he averaged over 10 rebounds per season every year after his rookie year. So after his rookie year, wow. every game he's getting more than 10 rebounds. For his career, he averages 22 points per game, 11.7 rebounds, 1.5 still, shot 54% from the field. So very efficient, got your rebound, and not only did you get your rebound, because a lot of people, when they talk about the greatest rebounds of all time, talk about Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman played defense, got rebounds. He didn't have to worry about being the leading scorer on the team. Charles Barkley was the leading scorer while also dominating the boards, right, and being the main guy. And during his prime, he's an all-star every year, from 87 to 97, all-star each season, and was one of the few players to take Michael Jordan to the brink in the finals. Yep. Took the Bulls six games in 93. Yeah. And his team wasn't fully healthy that year. And was still able to get to the finals and won this, the NBA MVP that season. And for anybody listed six feet six or shorter, he has the most rebounds all time. It's amazing. So when you talk about pound for pound, inch for inch, who may be the best player in NBA history. You look at it from that standpoint, 
Charles Barkley is definitely in the argument, and I believe has become underrated as we look at him more just as a personality now. But look at how great player he was. Man, I am with you, bro. Nobody talks. It, now it's Charles Barkley, the announcer. He's funny. Charles Barkley, the golfer. He's funny, you know, a goofball around, but... That's maybe maybe that's his own fault for being so damn funny. But you're so right. I remember Charles Barkley with 76ers, then going to Phoenix, like you said, taking on Jordan in the championships. When if he were to just walk down the street, you would think if 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 athlete, if anything, football player, huge guy, you know, but he still had the athleticism to get the job done. He would even bring the ball up the court if he had to. Barkley absolutely did carry that team. Kenny Johnson, yeah, he's okay. Dan Marley, he's okay. That was Barkley's team, no doubt about it. And running through the West the way they did, yeah, the Suns were a team you did not want to mess around with, and Barkley was the reason for it. And he's absolutely underrated, and nobody does talk about him. And again, like I say, maybe Damien, partially it's his fault because he's so good at what he does now. People are forgetting how great he was in the NBA. So, Nikki, your thoughts on on uh, Sir Charles over there? Yeah, I think you guys are 100% right. I feel like this is the opposite, where the antics and the big personality get overshadowed. You know, his career got overshadowed because he is, like, he's an entertainer, you know? If you ask a kid today, Charles Barkley, are they going to associate him with his amazing career? No, they're going to think of him as a TV personality. So, I, I definitely agree with you guys. Yeah, I'm 100% on board. That's that's a great one. And I didn't have him on my list. And I I think that's an excellent one right there. I like it a lot. All right, I'm going to wonder wonder what you guys think about this one. Um, Here we go, baseball player, all right? And he does not get the love he did back then. But right now he doesn't. And it's a lot to do with one guy. So I'm going to get into it. His name is Ricky Henderson. He, when you talk about a five-two player, he, he was it. Maybe even a six-two player. He can do everything. He was the best leadoff man in the game, all-time leader in runs scored, all-time leader in runs scored, and stolen bases at, at eleven times during his career. But then comes Barry Bonds, who turned into the Hulk, and Henderson was also the all-time leader in walks. By the way, until Bonds came around, and he either hit a home run or you walked him. So he was getting just intentionally walked all the time, but he was the best leadoff hitter of all time. Obviously in the hall of fame, he was always hitting around 300, but as a leadoff batter, your objective is really to get on base. And they say a walk is as good as a hit. And with Ricky leading off on base and can mentally screw up pitchers mind because he's on base and he's like, well, he's probably going to steal. Damn. So that would mess up the pitcher. That's another way. So when you got that, when he did get on base, he was just an absolute thief, man. He stole bases all the time. He also averaged about 20 home runs a year as a leadoff hitter. So he is one of, if not the greatest 5-2 players that everybody never talks about. They just don't talk about him anymore. And it's a shame because he did everything a baseball player could possibly do. He was fantastic. He was the best leadoff hitter that I've ever seen and probably of all time, Damien. Yeah. Now, when you think leadoff hitter, you think about him and maybe Ichiro, right? When you think about yeah. those guys. Good call. And, like, he was amazing. Amazing. Like, when I was a baseball fan, like, you thought about Ricky Henderson. And with the amount of speed he had, he probably could have played any sport. 
with how athletic he was. He probably could have been a really good wide receiver or safety in football. Probably could have been a good point guard in basketball. Like, he had elite athleticism for any sport. You mentioned the intelligence he played with. Like, to be able to draw that many walks and to be able to want to get on base, now you're making it easier for the next guy because now the pitcher is thinking about you being on base and not just concentrating on striking out the next guy. Right. What he did was amazing, man. He's definitely one of the greatest to ever do it. And he wasn't a quiet guy. Like, he's somebody who will tell you he's the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, uh, he definitely has the right to brag in that way. So I definitely agree with you on Ricky Anderson. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah Nikki. He wasn't um, – he definitely wasn't the quiet guy. He wasn't – yeah, he, he would say what's on his mind. And Ricky in Oakland with the Yankees, where he, he did it all, uh, Ricky Henderson. He was just – just amazing. And, Nikki, when was the last time you heard Ricky Henderson's name get brought up in a conversation? Well, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> but it just proves your point, right? So yep. we're stamping him criminally underrated. Stamped. That's my point. He never gets brought up in the conversations anymore, and it's just a damn shame because he did it all, and he did it right to our knowledge. No PEDs or greenies or whatever you want to call them. So, uh, yep, I'm down. Ricky, you're one of the most underrated of all time, bro, and you know it. All right, Nikki, who's the next one? The next one is somebody else that doesn't get brought up when you're talking about the GOAT, and that is Tim Duncan. Good call. He's on my list. Good call. Yeah, I mean, five-time NBA champion, entire career with his first three NBA final trophies, 15 NBA All-Star appearances, eight-time member of the NBA All-Defensive First Team, Damien, I totally agree with him, man. I mean, to me, he's the best power forward I've ever seen personally. We were talking about Moses Malone before, of course, uh, Pope, uh, you know, power forward slash center, whatever you want to call it. But Tim Duncan was on my list, Damien, so I ain't going to argue one bit. Yeah, no, nah, he definitely is one of the all-time greats. I don't know if I can say it's underrated because usually when you start the conversation about Tim Duncan, the first thing you say is greatest power forward of all time. So when you talk about them, you do mention them. And people who, when you do your top 10 list, like I have them personally in my top 10 all time. So it's hard for me to say he's underrated, but I do think he's underappreciated. Like he's not somebody who gets the props he deserves all the time. So I can see why you would say he's underrated. But when when you do talk about him, first thing you say is, greatest power forward of all time, five-time NBA champion. You know, the, the Spurs... We talked about the playoffs. Their first year, this year, not making the playoffs since 1997, which was the year before Tim Duncan got drafted. This right. shows you how much impact he had on that team, on that organization. The fact that they were able to sustain that excellence of making the playoffs every year for so long because of him. So it definitely, he definitely is underappreciated, though. Well, let me back, Nikki, let me back you up for a second, because let me let me compare and, you know, may he rest in peace, uh, you know, his beautiful soul and spirit, Kobe Bryant. 
you know, they both, you know, kind of retired around the same time as Shen played in the same era, sort of, so to speak. So here's my thing. It felt like when Tim Duncan retired, he just faded away. It was like, okay, like one of the best ever, but now he's out. Now he's gone. Now the Spurs are nothing. And I, I don't feel like he's spoken about, whereas Kobe remained in the limelight. Um, you know, especially due to him wanting to be, you know, more, more of an entrepreneur and things like that. Maybe that's why was Kobe was spoke about more, Nikki. So I get what you're saying. It just feels like Tim Duncan, it's hard to say he's underrated. I understand totally what you're saying, Damian, because he does come up. When you say best power forward of all time, Tim Duncan's, Tim Duncan's name is going to come up. But it just felt like he faded away after basketball because he was so quiet. Come, yeah, does he come up? If you guys are, what if you're just talking about, we did this. We did, like, greatest athletes of all time. Not one of us mentioned them. Not one. That's true. Yeah. And he's not, he's not going to be thought of as, like, greatest athlete because he wasn't that athletic. Like, he was his nickname was a big fundamental. Right. He was known for, you know, being just very fundamental, having all of the techniques down. And that's not exciting. So you're right. He doesn't get appreciated because, you know, Kobe Bryant, who played at the same, at the same time as him, was dunking on people, doing all these incredible fadeaways, and played for the L.A. Lakers, right? And he's down there in San Antonio, you know, smallest market in the NBA, I believe, doing this thing. And for a long time, the Spurs were thought of as a very boring team, right? especially during his early years when they were more about defense. They had, I'm not going to lie to you, the series they played against Detroit NBA Finals in 2005, Probably was the most boring NBA Finals I've ever seen. In my life. Yeah. <laughs> like San Antonio was winning games like seventy one to sixty nine. It was it was it was bad. It was hard to watch. Like it was. I appreciate it now as an adult, but as a guy in high school at the time, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> and so those are the memories that people think of and Duncan. Like, oh, that was the the boring Spurs. But later in his career, as the team adjusted, they became more exciting. And people didn't let go of the reputation they had years earlier as the foreign defensive team that had, you know, some of those bad finals. But as they got older and adjusted, and that team that went against Miami twice in the finals was a totally different team and was exciting to watch. So I do agree that he's not brought up enough. So I can see why you say underrated, but for me, it's underappreciated with him. I think. We rate him correctly. Like, we have him rated as the best power forward of all time. I have him in my top 10 players of all time. Like, I go back and forth with him and Shaq at number five. Like, just go a little inside baseball. Huh? I does it all the time. But, <laughs> so, I go back and forth with him being top five of all time. But, for him, it was just not being in the right market and playing at the same time as Kobe, with Kobe being a much more exciting player. That's why Kobe gets, you know, gets brought up so much more. Yeah. I, I can certainly see both sides of the argument, definitely. I absolutely can. But as Tim Duncan, we can all agree, is certainly one of the best players that ever played. You got him in your top five, top ten, whatever it is. He belongs around there, Nikki. So no question with that one. Damien, I believe it is your turn, bro. Okay. So you guys know I'm a big boxing guy, so I had to bring one boxer into the conversation. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Which one was going first? <laughs> so I, I believe this boxer is again criminally underrated one of the best to ever do it and was the best of a golden era I'm talking about Lennox Lewis nice Lennox, Lennox Lewis for his career went 41 and 2 with one draw both losses 
was able to avenge them in rematches and won by knockout. So he beat everybody he ever he ever faced. Um, 32 of his 41 wins by knockout. When you talk about the 90s, that's considered a golden era of heavyweight boxing. And Lance Lewis beat everybody from that era. The only person he didn't beat from that era is well-documented that Rick Bowe didn't want to fight him. Right. So, so for Lance Lewis, everybody else he beat. So just to go over some of the names, Tyrell Biggs, Razor Reddick, Tony Tucker, Frank Bruno, Oliver McCall, Tommy Morrison, Ray Mercer, Andrew Galata, Shannon Briggs. Shannon Briggs is still trying to fight today. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holyfield, they defeated. Michael Grant, who was undefeated at the time. David Tua. He's somebody who could be on this list as well as one of the most underrated of all time. David Tua was a monster. Hmm. Um, Rockman, he beat the holy hell out of Mike Tyson. Gee, <laughs> he also beat sure Vitaly Klitschko and, you know, caught him before the Klitschko brothers took over the heavyweight division. So when you look at Lance Lewis's career, I believe he has the most impressive resume of any heavyweight champion ever. That's including Ali. Ali, you can say it's a ghost, but Lance Lewis, I think, has the best resume of any heavyweight of all time. I, 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 no, go ahead. Absolutely killed it. So Lance Lewis is on my list for most underrated. Lewis is a very, very interesting one right there. You know, I mean, underrated, yes, I totally agree. He does not get the love that he deserves. I think that his thing, again, he was a really big guy. What was he, 6'6", I mean, or something like that, Damien. I mean, he was really tall. So he was basically a tactician in that ring. I mean, he used his jab really, really well, and he knew when to throw the right. He knew when to go to the body. He was a great tactician. He, Like I said, he only got beat a couple of times, and that draw should have been a win over Holyfield. I think that's the one you're talking about. Didn't they draw that one time? Yeah, he really beat him that fight, in all, in all honesty, if I remember correctly. But uh, either way, Lewis, he does not get brought up at all. I mean, nobody talks about it. I mean, his most famous moment might be in Ocean's Eleven when he was doing that thing with uh, Vladimir Klitschko in the middle of the ring and with, uh, you know, Danny Ocean and all that crap. But you remember that? That's Lewis. That's him right there. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. He definitely beat the hell out of Tyson, and he fought all the big fighters in his era. Um, but yeah, just a total tacticianer in the ring. He knew exactly what to do and he didn't get hit that much. You know, he, he, he knew how to box. There's no doubt. Nikki, I don't know what you saw of Lennox, Lennox Lewis, but he's one of those guys on the list. Uh, I'm okay. I'm rolling with you guys. <laughs> you She's taking it. All right. I'm into it. I'm into it. I love it. All right. Let's try to get, uh, our last few in over here. Here we go. I'm going to give. You know, I'm going to give it to a lot of people on this one. I'm going to make it fast. I'm going to give it to all the offensive linemen in the entire world and who have ever played. Nobody ever talks about offensive linemen. That was mine. Oh, really? All right. Then you know what? We can share this one. We'll bring our thoughts back and forth. Nikki, offensive linemen, name five of them. We can, you know, but go ahead, world. Name five offensive linemen. Without them, there is no football. The game starts at the line of scrimmage. The center snaps the ball. The, the offensive line has to know exactly what is going on. You know, obviously run, pass, where they have to be. You know, if they have to if they have to jump out, if they block this, whatever it is. Without the offensive line, quarterback ain't getting the ball, and that play ain't happening, Nikki. Oh, I agree with you. It's a, okay, great mind. We are like 
super we're all connected on the same page like that was literally my last one but no i'm with you like well it is a like damien said now that he said underappreciated i you know i think there's a lot of overlap there it is a thankless job they're underappreciated no one knows their name there's no glory nobody's buying their jersey right right (laughs) they got no love in fantasy football but guess what when it's a dumpster fire, then you're, that's where you're coming from. There's crappy offensive line. Like, you know, you start losing your mind. But at least seen teams dominate with an amazing offensive line. Hello, look at the Cowboys, okay? Yeah. And then you see teams like the Giants, which can be complete garbage. For years <laughs> and years and years. Giving my boy Eli a hard time. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I feel like it is a thankless job. They don't get nearly enough love or recognition, so we are giving it to them. Absolutely. I love that you had it on your list. That That's fantastic. Very good. Uh, Damien, what do you think about that, bro? Hey, great. I totally agree that offensive linemen are underrated, underappreciated. Uh, one of the things I always say is that the offensive line is like oxygen. You don't see it, so you don't appreciate it. Oh, oh! I am so stealing that from you. I'm thieving that one right from you, like Ricky Henderson stealing a base. That's mine now. That was good. <laughs> now, offensive linemen, man, they definitely deserve all the credit in the world. Like you said, if you have a crappy offensive line, that's when you notice. Like right. With, like when it comes to a team like. The Colts, for example, Colts fans will always blame the organization for not giving Andrew Luck a good offensive line. And his career ended a lot sooner than it's supposed to be because of injuries, because he didn't have a good offensive line. Mm, like it, good point. It's something that, you know, David Carr can let you know how not having a good offensive line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can ruin your career. So offensive linemen, the good ones, definitely should be more appreciated. You know, we do give them love, like the ones who make multiple Pro Bowls and things like that. Like, we know the Walter Joneses and the Saints guy, you know, I know Willie Rose, you know, those guys. But you got to get more love to offensive linemen just as a whole. No doubt, man. Absolutely no doubt. So the offensive line, we, we, we recognize here on the 3rd and 3 podcast. We know what it's all about, and we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Damien, I think you got your last one, right? Yeah, so for my last one, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with the announcers. Oh, we sometimes we don't appreciate announcers until, just like office linemen, until we get a bad one, right? (laughs) (laughs) When you know Booker McFarland says the most obvious things in history, that's when we notice, like, oh my god, (laughs) saying the most obvious things of all time, and we don't really appreciate it until we get like an outstanding one, like Tony Romo. Because a lot of guys are really good, but not on the Tony Romo level. So you'll get the announcers like, like somebody like Al Michaels has been so good for such a long time. Uh, we had Pat Summer on John Madden for so long. And people like that, when you have the casual fan watching with you and you have a great announcer, they make it better for them. They can understand the game. They can follow with you. They're not bothering you asking all the questions because they're not taking care of that for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big thing as well. Like when you're walking with a super casual fan, they're asking you all these questions. And I've been on both ends of it. Like when I watch hockey, I'm the casual fan asking all the questions. So I've been on both sides of it as far as being a guy asking the questions and answering. So you want the announcers to be able to do that for you. I think that announcers definitely are underappreciated 
when it comes to that, especially nowadays, because all we want to do is criticize them. We have a lot of good ones out there. Joe Buck gets criticized just for no reason at all, especially from the baseball guys. I don't mm. know if you know more about that, Jason, why baseball fans hate him so much. But <laughs> so many yeah. great announcers out there who don't get appreciated. Oh, man. That, I, look, you know what? I, I'm going to tell you the reason why I totally agree with you. It's because when I'm watching a football game especially, I want the volume up. I want to hear what they're saying. I don't want it down and talking with my friends and, yeah, having a good time or whatnot. But, no, I want the volume up, and I want to hear everything that they're saying, and especially what Tony Romo is predicting, Nikki. I love that stuff. Oh, my God. He's the best. I Like, I love Romo in the booth. Like, he is just the best, and he doesn't care what he says. I'm, and Booger McFarland, he's done, right? He's not doing that oh, this year? Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Thank God. I, I, I'm sorry, but, like, no. <laughs> it was just straight painful to listen to. Like, I don't really care for, like, I am Eagle either very much. And I don't know why Joe Buck gets a lot of hate. Like, I think he's a really good announcer. So is Al Michaels. I don't love Collinsworth, but, like, I get it. The good ones are really, really underappreciated and underrated. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the ones that they have trials with, I mean, if you guys remember, um, we have like about a minute here before we go to commercial, Monday Night Football, I remember they threw Dennis Miller in there. Do you guys remember that? Why would you think that's a good idea? I mean, it's like literally he was telling a joke every five minutes and not even the booth was laughing. It was horrible. It was just, it was, it was a mess. Dan Deardorff did a good job in there. Of course, Howard Cosell, he was one of the guys that you listen to every Monday night. <laughs> I think that was my first Cosell impression, so if it was bad, I apologize. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. You never know what's going to happen around here, but I'll tell you what's going to happen right now. We're going to do a really quick commercial. We're coming back in a minute, guys. Hang in there. Hang tight. We have NFC South rankings coming up. We got Dinner Fight Club. We got this or that. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up for you guys. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Oh, yeah. We're coming back at you. Third and three podcast. Ooh, we had our mouth player, player, underrated players. And we had a couple in mind that, uh, you know, great minds think alike. We had a few with the same. Curtis Martin was one. Tim Duncan, another one. We had a lot of them out there. We gave love to the announcers. We gave love to the offensive linemen. It was a beautiful thing. And we are moving on. And maybe by the NFL music, you can tell where we're going right now. It is the breakdown, the rankings time, and this time, with only two divisions left to go until we complete our full rankings, we have the NFC South, and we are ready to rock and roll. This is Damien's division over here. We had um, <laughs> we had Nicky's with the NFC East with the Giants. That was pretty fun. Let's see how much fun we have with this one and how much we agree over here. So, the NFC South, we got the Saints, we got the Bucks, we got the Panthers, and we got the who am I missing right now? Oh my! Thank you very much. Why do I always forget about the Falcons? My goodness. Well, let's see how much we forgot about them on this list. <laughs> my goodness, my goodness. Uh, I know one of my buddies wants to kill me for that one, forgetting about the Falcons. I won't mention his name right now. But here we go. All right, we got quarterbacks, we got running backs, we got wide receivers. Damien, this is your division, my friend. 
why don't you kick it off? Okay, so we're going to start off with the quarterbacks. And I believe at this point in their careers, Drew Brees is better than Tom Brady. I'm shocked. So I got, <laughs> so I got Drew Brees at number one, Tom Brady at two, Matt Ryan at three, uh, Teddy Bridgewater at four, and also you got to bring in two of the backup quarterbacks. So if Drew Brees goes down, we do have James Winston, who has all the talent in the world. If you mm. see the right jersey. Are you sure about that? All right, just just asking, <laughs> just asking. No, that I I totally hear. Listen, Nikki. Before I throw, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through mine quick. I, honestly, Breeze and Brady one and two. I went back and forth a lot. I really was not sure, but I'm gonna tell you the truth, bro. I ended up with Brady at one, and I think the reason is because. He just, again, hasn't had those weapons, and he will this year. Yeah, I know it's a new team, and that does play into it. So that's another thing I'm thinking maybe Bree should be number one. But Brady's got so many darn weapons, and he can still do it. And we know he's looking good in practice. Yeah, it's just practice and everything. But I did go Brady one by a hair over Drew Brees. Matt Ryan was another interesting one that you know we forget about a little bit i just forgot about him a minute ago as we just proved i didn't remember the falcons are in the damn division so he went number three and teddy bridgewater as much as i love you those three other guys just a little bit better than you. he's in number four with the panthers so brady breeze ryan and bridgewater damian and nikki it is your turn yeah i have the same exact rankings as damian but let me tell you this division is stacked. We are splitting hairs here, guys. I have Breeze one. Basically, just his consistency. Um, I got Brady two. That's not to take away from anything or his accomplishments, but it is a new team. I give the edge to Breeze here. Matt Ryan is three, and Teddy Bridgewater, poor kid, unfortunately, he are just in a stacked division, yeah. and he is number four. So I have Breeze. You know what, guys? I got to tell you, with Matt Ryan on the list, now, look, he's not my favorite quarterback in the world, but he was tough. Like, where do I put him? Because he's younger than these other guys, but then again, he's not that young. I think he's like 36 or something like that by now. He's a little bit older, but Matt Ryan was a tough one for me to put, but still, ultimately, I had to put... Because you know what? If Brady wasn't at two, like, if they... I don't... You know, then he could he he might be too. If Brady wasn't in that division, you could probably put Matt yeah. Ryan at two. I mean, like he he's never he's pretty close to his twenty sixteen MVP performance. Not like he falters like terribly from that. So uh, it's tough, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely was tough, right, Damien? This was tough. It really was. But it was tough, and like with Matt Ryan, I think the curse of twenty eight to three follows him. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That Matt Ryan sometimes baffles me with the way he plays. I mean, sometimes he can look so great on a drive. Other times he could just look so confused. It's it's really amazing with him. I, it's, ever since Boston College, I was never able to figure it out. Let's see if we can figure out the running back situation. I'll take this one, and then Nikki will start with the wide receivers. 
running backs, guys. Here's how I did it. And um, this one, it was tough at the top, but I ultimately went with, again, Damon, this is not a shot, bro, but I went with Christian McCaffrey for, I mean, all the reasons you can imagine. Thousand-yard club, you know, a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving. You know, Mike Davis backing him up and all that. But look, Christian McCaffrey is he does it all. So I mean, what can you say? He's one of the top running backs, if not the best. He's been drafted first in every damn fantasy league that I've been in in all the mock drafts. So I went one there with the Panthers. So giving them some love. Second, I went with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, who people don't give enough love to. I, Murray's an excellent backup when you talk about backup running backs. That's why I was tr- I'm thinking back and forth with one and two. Who am I ultimately going to go with? But Christian McCaffrey ultimately won me over. So I went with them. One, two was Alvin uh, Kamara and Latavius Murray, like I said. Number three and four, I'm like, ah, what do I do here? Three, I went with Todd Gurley in case he comes back healthy. And somehow, some way, he could do damage. They got Edo Smith, Brian Hill, but... Todd Gurley, I'm thinking maybe. I don't know. In four, uh, uh, obviously Tampa Bay. It's, you know, Ronald Jones the second who did show some promise last year. They just picked up LaShawn McCoy and they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get, but that's the way I went. I went uh, Panthers, Saints, Falcons, and then I went with the Bucks for the running backs. Damian, take it away. Yeah, I have the same exact order. Uh, Chris McCaffrey is Mr. Do-It-All. He's, you can't, he's the best running back in the league, so it's hard to rank a running back staff of, of, you know, better than him. The Saints I went with, too, Alvin Kamara, when healthy, is very dynamic. I believe he's almost probably as talented as McCaffrey, but you don't want to work him as much. And last year showed that because he did suffer from an injury last year. Latavius Murray, like you mentioned, is a guy, you can give the ball to him 20, 25 times, and he can carry you. Yep. He did that a few games last year for the Saints when both Breeze and Kamara were hurt. We had Bridgewater quarterback in who wants to run the ball more. The Tigers Murray stepped up in a big way for us. But he's definitely one of the best backups in the league, like you said. Um, third and one with the Falcons. If you get Todd Gurley at 85, 90% of what he used to be, he's dynamic. He's going to be somebody who can definitely take advantage of the weapons that the Falcons have at wide receiver, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And for one of the Bucks, you got an old LaShawn McCoy, who can still be dynamic at times, but you only want to run him maybe 10 times a game. Ronald Jones, the third, shows some promise, but can't go up that. So I got Panthers, Saints, Falcons, and Bucks. And another reason, there you go. Great minds do think alike. Is it a trifecta, Nikki, or again, are you going to deviate? Christian McCaffrey won. I mean, easily the best running back in the division. He does it all and at a high level, too. You gotta give love to Kamara. And yes, Latavius Murray, talk about underrated. He's an underrated backup. He helps keep Kamara fresh. Um, I have Atlanta at three. If we could get Todd Gurley somewhat, like you guys said, not much to add there, but if he could get close to the 2017-18 season. And then I put Tampa Bay at four, mostly because, you know, but Bruce Arians, they tend to be pass first. I don't know how much running they're going to do, but we'll see. New team. So I'm with you guys. They got the same exact order. Yeah, all right. So there you go. All around the table. There we go. Same exact order. And, uh, yeah, it, it look, it, it makes perfect sense to me. It really does. And, uh, again, you could play Kamara and Latavius Murray at the same time and, you know, get very dynamic over there. So I, I can see that happening on a few synapses here, Damien. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. 
I really wouldn't be. So now we are up to our wide receivers, and Nikki is going to kick it off. Let's see what she's got. Oh, my God. This one was the hardest one. Was this the hardest one for you guys? A hundred percent. I literally, like, changed the rankings a bunch of times. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It was really tough. But I, I'm going to go Tampa Bay, one, Goodwin, Mike Evans. I mean, they the Bucks. they have two of the top ten wide receivers on their roster. Um, they looks like that Johnson can probably make an impact for them as a rookie. Um, but just even if they have Goodwin and Evans, that's a nightmare. And I know Brady's going to be excited to play with those new, new toys. Two, I got to go Saints here. Michael Thomas alone. Jesus. <laughs> Kill me in fantasy. Emmanuel Sanders. Um, but they, they got a lot of depth there. Three. This is crazy to have to put. Atlanta and Julio Jones story. Like I, I flipped between them and Saints. Like it was. I, I think we could split hairs here. So I have Atlanta three and Carolina. Um, I have them coming in at four. I think they have a really deep unit here. I just think the rest of the division is so stacked that they kind of have to go in at four. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that precedent right there. It makes a heck of a lot of sense, Damian. I'm going to throw it to you, and then uh, I'll do. I'll go last. Yeah, I got the same order as Nikki, Bucks, you mentioned Evans, Godwin. Both guys could be number one receivers on their own teams. Go to the tight ends, Rock, Howard, Brady. Like, it's the amount of weapons they have is absolutely nuts. So I had to go, as much as it hurt me to say it, I had to go to Bucks number one. <laughs> I went with the Saints at two, Michael Thomas, like you mentioned, just overall, just. Uh, just single-handed monster out there. The addition of Emmanuel Sanders will be huge. Watch out for Jared Cook this year. At Towards the end of last year, him and Breeze really started to get a, a chemistry going. And we used him in a lot of ways. We used to use Jimmy Graham back in the day. And he's very dynamic in that way. But I like Jared Cook a lot. And also, the X Factor, Taysom Hill, to live in the slot, Y, tight end. You also got to put him in that mix as well. Uh, for the Falcons at third, Julio Jones is just an, an alien. <laughs> that big, that fast, making the catches that he does. He's killed the Saints, man. When I tell you, I hate Julio Jones as a player so much. He's, he's killed my Saints so many times, man. Uh, Calvin Ridley, he's also been a Saints murderer as well. Very good. I like to pick up Skate uh, Hurts at tight end if he can stay healthy. And for the Panthers, like you mentioned, Nikki, they have a good receiving core. They're just in a very stacked division. When you look at DJ Moore, he shows some mm-hmm. flashes. Robbie Anderson, I liked him with the Jets. Um, Curtis Pugio, they have a good core there. So they shouldn't feel bad about being ranked fourth here. But I had to go Bucks, Saints, Falcons, Panthers. It, again, guys, we actually do all agree. I'm, I'm surprised. We, we, we all agree. Yeah. Yeah, we all agree again. So I'm not going to say a whole bunch, but – you know, number one, again, you guys said everything about the Bucks. so what's left for me to say? I mean, they're, they have weapons all over the place, and Brady's very happy. I, I did struggle between two and three, though. I'm not going to lie, because the one reason was Calvin Ridley for Atlanta. I believe that he's going to have a magnificent year. I'm talking like 11, maybe 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's that good. And you got Julio Jones, so they're both getting single covered. Ed and Hayden Hurst, but overall... It was the depth for the Saints for me that won it, where you go to Jared Cook, you go to a Traquan Smith and a Taysom Hill who does 
absolutely everything. I just think they have more options over there. So that's why I went with the Saints at two, Falcons at three. And yeah, look, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, they're good players. Bring in Robbie Anderson. Bridgewater doesn't throw the ball downfield often, and that's fine for this team if they can do seven-yard outs, uh, seven-yard slants, you know, uh, button hooks, whatever it is. They can methodically move down the field. And with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, you can't just, you know, uh, you know, play a dime defense. you got to worry about him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Panthers have success this year because – I like their team. I really do. They have a lot of good players. And Teddy Bridgewater, as we saw last year with the Saints, can really do a great job. So, again, we all have the same order, but I'm not going to be shocked if the Carolina Panthers have a good season. Not saying playoffs and big things, but I won't be shocked by it. So, uh, there you go, guys. A lot of uh, agreeing on this one, but, again, a very tough division to break down. Oh, I am excited for this division. Like, I am hyped for the, for the South this year. So I know Damien is, but I, I think I'm more excited for this division than my own. So <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. First game of the year is Doug Saints. So Woo! Definitely, definitely cool. Yep, just start it right off, right? Immediately. What is it, Sunday night or Monday night football? What are they playing? I think it's an afternoon Sunday game. Is it? Oh, it, oh, it is. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Well, I, I, I'm another one. I can't wait for it. I can't wait. Oh, it's gonna be awesome, man. This division is so stacked. Another thing I can't wait for. Oh boy, you know what time it is. You know what's up right now. Come on, it's knowledge with Nikki time. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital. Oh man, I love that song so much, and it just fits great. I'm so happy your name is Nikki. This worked out wonderfully. <laughs> oh man, here we go. Knowledge with Nikki time. I'm ready to go, Damien. I, I know you got to be ready to go, bro. You kicked my butt last time, so I, I'm very excited to go. I think I went first last week, correct? So I don't know. Maybe I'll feed off of some of your energy and uh, and get you in this. So, Nikki, you ready to do this thing? I am ready to do it. Each one, three questions. It's all NFL this week. No crazy theme. Just throwing it at you to see what you guys got. Ready? Oh, I'm ready so ready. <laughs> all right, Damien. Number one. The NFL Defensive Player of the Year Award began in 1971. Who won this inaugural award? Oof. Wow. What a question. <laughs> oh, coming out the gates with fire. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the inaugural Defensive Player of the Year, 1971. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm trying to think... I'm thinking either Dallas or Pittsburgh. I'm trying to think about that time. But, um, or maybe it was. So, I'm going to go with Mean Joe Green. No. Uh, Steel? Yeah, my problem is the guy I'm thinking of, I can't remember his first name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a last name. All right, I'll give you the team also. I guess I'm probably wrong, but... Vikings Marshall. Oh, uh, right team, wrong person. 
Oh, who was Alan Page? Alan, Alan Page. Page. Ooh, good question. I, I like that. I know it was a while ago. That's a good I question, though. Have a point. You got the team right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> My own grading system here. I'd be a terrible teacher, I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was one of the purple people leaders. I just couldn't figure out which one. All right, Alan Page, great player. Good question. Good job with the first two. Which one do you say, fourth or first? The fourth. Fourth. Okay. I think it's Dick for meal. It is. I'm Whoa. Ah. Football fire today, bro. Football fire. I, I've, I've been feeling it. I've been feeling it. But Andy Reid was, I'm think. I was thinking, I'm like, was he the fourth or was there? Because I remember there was like five. But yeah. All right. So Dick for meal it is. Nice. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. He'll probably steal all three of mine. So here we go. <laughs> all right, Jay. Let's go. What year did the quarterback sack become an official statistic? 1982. Yes. I, I, yeah, I knew that one too. You knew that, right, D? I, I bet you did. I bet you did, bro. Shit, I'm on fire right now. Let's keep going. Damn, don't stop. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going. In 2001, when Michael Strahan set a record, 22.5 sacks in a season, whose huh. record did he break? Mark Gastineau. Yes. I'm killing it. Fire. Killing it. Today's my day. Okay. Today's your day. All right, last one. Let's see if you can do it. Who? Was the first team to give up more than 510 points in a season? Oh, wow. 500. I th- a team immediately popped in my head, but I don't want to rush. First team to give up 510 points in a season? Yep, more than 510 points in a season. I don't know if I should go back or. Um, I, the fr- I, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna not guess. I'm gonna go with the first team that popped in my head, the Lions. Um, they were, but they were not the first. Okay, all right. Damien could steal it. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with trying to think of like historically bad defenses. Uh, I got another go one. The 1981 Baltimore Colts. Ooh, so, tough one. Yeah, we'll never get that. I, you know what? I was thinking the... 33 points. And in 2008, the Lions topped it, and they gave up 517. That's, so that's why I said Lions. Okay, that all right. That must be the reason. Job, guys. Yeah, Football City. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Just happen to answer, uh, answer questions that I happen to know the answer to. I'm not upset. So that was a good round. With... Go back to uh, statistics. That's the one you guys hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's like 14.3%. I don't know. <laughs> that was an algebra, Nikki. Another great job. All right. I'll take this week. This week is mine. No doubt. No doubt. We got so much more. We got unpopular opinion coming up, but before we get to that, before we have, we got a few minutes over here. So I want to ask you guys, all right, the prophecy question. Here's the prophecy. Ready? Damien, you go first. Nikki, I'll give you a second to think about it. It's a double question. Who's going to win the NBA title and who's going to win the MVP? Oh, uh, that's I'm sorry, I should have said it. Regular season MVP and then who's gonna win the NBA title. So regular season MVP, I got Giannis, Anthony Kupo, the Greek freak winning that. Mm. But I have the Los Angeles Clippers winning the NBA championship. Very interesting. Wow, Nikki, before I jump to you, I I, I have the same damn thing and I, look, I, I think that LeBron should I don't know if should be, but I, I wish LeBron would win the MVP I, I just with what he's done. But Anthony Davis had been such a big part, and it's so clear that Giannis is the man over there. There's no doubt. So I have to agree with MVP. He might even win defensive MVP uh, again this year, which is crazy. And the NBA title, dude, I feel like the Clippers are going to be more clutch at the end than the Lakers are. And 
and they're going to beat them in, in seven games. And whoever they play in the East, which are, it could be Milwaukee, Toronto, we don't know, they're going to be better than them also. Kawhi, I don't know. He, he's just a robot. I, I, don't, I've, I don't like him. I mean, it's not that I don't like him like he's a bad person or anything. It's just – I, I got nothing. I got no love for the guy. I, I don't. It's like I almost root against him somehow. He's such a great player, but he always comes through in the clutch. So I I, I agree. Clippers win the title, and Giannis wins the MVP. I mean, Nikki. I don't know if you think LeBron James is going to you know go out. Well, not go out because he's going to keep playing. Go out in style with uh, Anthony Davis over here, or what? You got I a different? LeBron would win MVP. Me, me I too. Mean- I do. I really do. So you guys don't think Toronto can do it? You're a great defense. Toronto definitely can. Like, if that's why I have Nick Nurse as coach of the year, the fact that they lost Kawhi and are still this good yeah. is crazy. Yep. So, but they have an awesome defense. Like, I love watching Toronto play outside of my team. That's probably my favorite team to watch play is Toronto. I, I have to say, man, their defense is absolutely incredible. They're coached incredibly. You know, whether you want to, it's Budenholzer or, or, um, or Nick Nurse, I'm on board with you. It's Nick Nurse losing Kawhi and still being the second-ranked team uh, in the East. Again, it's the East, but that's fine. They are a very good team with depth, and yeah, they're a team, man. It's, it's unbelievable. You, Nicky, you lose your best player in any sport, and you think, all right, well, that's it. But I don't. They, obviously, they got a lot of good coaching there in Toronto. Yeah, they definitely for sure do. They really do. Wow, I can't wait for these NBA playoffs to start. My God, Portland, any chance you think over the Lakers, man? I don't think they have a chance to beat them four times, but I think they will be a good series. They got Lakers in six. Yeah, Lakers in six. I, I could see that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Probably, probably will be Lakers in six. And oh man, then we got the Clippers, and then nobody talks about Denver. You know, Jokic is such another. Excellent player that you know. They, I mean, they talk about him, but man, it is just stacked with with such talent. And hopefully, Westbrook somehow is going to come back and see what they could do with Harden in the playoffs. Man, uh, I don't know. I want to ask one more quick question. Uh, we have two minutes over here. One more before we get into a little bit more fun in our last segment, guys. I've been thinking about Zion Williamson, uh, guys, and Damian. Real quick, is he going to be the next Yao Ming or? God forbid, Greg Oden or Dwight Howard. Is he is he just going to be hurt his, his whole career? Because I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah, I hope not. They're doing the best they can to make sure that doesn't happen. One thing he has to do is get in shape. Yeah. So hopefully whoever this next coach is, is on him. Like, I was extremely disappointed that he didn't come back from the quarantine just strutted. Like, he should have came back looking like, you know, Skinny Mello did. Jokic, all these other players came back from quarantine looking in awesome shape, and he didn't. So hopefully during this offseason, they really work with him on just getting in shape. Because I think his ability to be able to still be fast and jump high at his weight is now going against him because his whole life he's been big. He's been still able to jump 45 inches off the ground. So let's right. get into it. Say like, imagine if you're in shape and what you can do. So let's yeah. hopefully do that and hopefully he can stay healthy. <laughs> So we'll see. Right. And running down the court, you know, with less than 30 seconds over here, you're carrying all that weight is going to catch up with you, Nikki, you know? Yeah. Now, I defer to Damien's expertise on this one. But you know what, Dee? That's good life advice. I'm going to take that. If you are in shape, just think about all the things you could do. Absolutely. That's right. Take care of your body. Take care of your mind. And also wear a damn mask, please. We beg of you guys. All right. Last break over here. We got a couple of more topics left, a couple more segments for you guys. Third and three podcast. 
back in 30 seconds. All right, we are live, back in action over here. You know what it is, third and three podcast. Nikki Damian and myself, Jason Fearman, ready to rock and roll. By the way, give us a follow at third and three podcast. You better do it or we're coming for you, all right? Follow, we'll follow back. We'll be right there for you. No worries, no worries. So here we go. We got some more action for you right now. Uh, Dame, one of Damien's greatest unpopular opinion. And I got a little something for him this week. I was thinking about what my unpopular opinion was going to be. And something just popped in there that I had thought of in the past. And I wanted to get his opinion on it. I don't know how he's going to take it, but we're about to find out. Here we go, guys. But Damien, especially you, let me uh, lower the music over here so you can hear exactly what I'm saying. And you can understand that I'm not going to be dissing Drew Brees. I'm just going to be making a little comparison over here, and that is, is that Drew Brees, to me, is the Emmett Smith of quarterbacks. And here's what I'm talking about. He's got all the numbers, all these big records, but was never the best at his position. Talked about that with Eli. This is a different thing. Drew Brees is over Eli, so let's not even go there. But he was never the best at his position. Neither was Emmett. Emmett did win the MVP, and that's because of a great team, offensive line, yada, yada, yada. He won it one time, again, playing behind one of the best defensive, uh, best NFL uh, lines in history. So Breeze, he never won an MVP. He was in discussions at times. He never won one. And neither one of them are compilers. You can't be a compiler in the NFL. If you're healthy enough to keep playing and playing and you keep putting up numbers – and that's your football physicality and men- mentality and so on and so forth. But unlike Breeze and Emmett, the majority of players don't stay in the league for 15 years at running back like uh, uh, like um, like Emmett Smith did and Breeze going into his 20th season. So we're talking about players that played for a very long time. Breeze is still going, all right? And that allows them to keep putting up huge numbers, especially Drew Breeze right now. They both have had, you know, injuries like any other football player. Uh, you know, Brees had a big one, came to the Saints, much to your happiness, uh, Damien, and ended up winning a Super Bowl over there. It's just, again, however, they both managed to you – know, they played well for a long time. Emmett played 226 games. Brees played 275 so far. So, again, not compilers because you can't do that in the NFL – but I compare Drew Brees as the Emmett Smith of quarterbacks for those reasons. No MVPs, really. Not the best at your position. Just a guy who went out and did his did his job well, well above average, more more than so. But that's my comparison, and I wanted to know what you thought about that. If it's an insult, if it makes sense, or if whatever. But I'm ready, man. Oh my god, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, I do think that people disrespect Emma Smith more than they do Drew Brees mm-hmm. because they think that Emma Smith had, you know, he did have probably the greatest offensive line of all time during his prime. So people will throw more respect his way as far as him not having to do as much as, say, a Barry Sanders did playing for an organization like Detroit. But with Drew Brees, he's had years where the Saints didn't give him the most help, especially on defense. So he had to go out there and put up crazy numbers, plus just being game. Like, you look at some of the years where he went 7-9, and and we had some of the worst defenses, not just in the league, but ever. Like, we had some of the worst defenses of all time during Drew Brees' run, and he had to carry us and just be in games. So I don't think it's an insult at all. If I had to compare him to a running back, yeah, Emma Smith, I can see that comparison, like, as far as what he was able to do and how long he was in the league. So I don't think it's an insult at all. It's, just, it's very thoughtful. I think it's actually, like, a good one. It's a good exercise to think about who you compare from position to position. And I can see the Emma Smith-Drew Brees comparison. I wish Drew Brees got three Super Bowls like Emma Smith. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but outside of that, man, I, I think it's a good comparison. I'm, I'm not mad at that. All right, good. I'm glad you feel that way because it definitely wasn't meant as an insult at all. It's definitely meant, uh, you know, to be nothing more than respectful. It's just showing again how, you know, again, two great players, two greats of all time. There's no doubt about it. Just not being considered the best at their position, despite having all these records and all these numbers and whatnot. So I'm glad you didn't take it that way. It wasn't meant as an insult. It was meant as how long they've played in the league, because that is an amazing thing for a running back to be in the league 15 years and now a quarterback, you know, him and Tom Brady going on 20, 21 years, whatever it is. So it's amazing. And like I said, you can't be a compiler, Nikki, in the NFL because you're still out there. You have to be physical. You know, it's not like you're just standing there at the plate batting and hoping and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I don't know. Do you do you see where I'm coming from with that? Yeah, no, I see it. Now I've only heard both sides, not that there was really differentiating sides. But no, I see it. And, and Damien's right. That is a well-thought-out argument, something I haven't thought about. But I did have a thought while you guys were talking. Do you guys think Drew Brees is overrated? slightly underrated or underappreciated and or maybe he's appropriately rated. Damien, you want to take it first? Yeah, I think that I would say slightly underrated. I agree. um, You 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 don't have the MVPs, like you said. He finished second the year Mahomes went absolutely ridiculous. Like, he runs a little bad luck with it, where the years he finished second, I think, five times, and each year he finished behind somebody who was breaking records. Like, they had the best year of their career, the year that Drew Brees was up MVP. Like, I think he lost Peyton Manning a year. Peyton Manning went crazy. I mentioned Mahomes. Just a little bad luck there. But some people do think of him as a compiler. But like I mentioned, the years where he was putting up those 5,000 yard seasons and we didn't get the wins, it wasn't on him. We had some of the worst defenses ever. And, like, you have to put that into the conversation when you talk about Drew Brees. And he's had some bad playoff luck. But, you know, Stephon Diggs going into the end zone had nothing to do with him, right? Right, the, right. The, the no call and NOLA, that's outside of his control. <laughs> the no call and NOLA, I love it. Yeah, those things that have happened to the Saints, you know, the Marshawn Lynch beast quick run, a lot of the things that have happened in the playoffs to the Saints have been these heartbreaks that, you know, I've gone through. I haven't been through Brees. 
Like, it hasn't been him throwing, you know, the dagger interception or just having bad games. It's been the defense or something crazy happening in these playoff runs while we haven't had more than one Super Bowl. And because it's only one Super Bowl, people tend to look at him as a guy who compiles stats. So I think he's slightly underrated. I think that's an excellent point also about him, you know, the, the reason why they had lost games in the playoffs or whatever. It, it never was his fault. You're absolutely 100% right. They, they were all ready to move away, you know, Minnesota, go to the Super Bowl, the whole, or the NFC Championship, excuse me. So, yeah, if anything, he'd be slightly underrated. I mean, he's kind of where I think people say he's at one of the greatest. They do call him one of the greatest of all time, but they don't put him maybe in the top five necessarily, top ten. I'm not sure where exactly he belongs, but he belongs somewhere around there. So for him to do that, and again, being a shorter guy, you know, like six foot flat basically, and having to do what he did and be able to move around and come back from his in- shoulder injury, yeah, I, mean, I would say slightly underrated because, again, they love to talk about Brady and Manning, and now they love to talk about Mahomes and Jackson. So, uh, yeah, Nikki, I, I think it's a well, I think it's a good question, and I would say slightly underrated, same, same as Damian. And uh, speaking of Damien, he's about to give his unpopular opinion. And then Nikki, of course, will save the best for last. So, Damien, we are ready for yours, bro. So, for my unpopular opinion, I'm going to go to The Office. Right? One of the best sitcoms of all time. And my unpopular opinion is that Stanley is the most underrated character on The Office. Everybody talks about Jim and Pam because we had this great love story. Everybody talks about Michael because he's so crazy, Dwight and Angela. You know, even Oscar maybe get brought up before Stanley. But when you look at Stanley, Stanley was the most realistic character. What was Stanley trying to do? Get home. <laughs> <laughs> have ever worked the office job? What are we trying to do? Get home. Get home. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like, I think that's the most underrated storyline from the office is the fact that he got caught cheating and then, like, continue to do it. Oh, my and God. That's when great. They the thing and, uh, when they went to Florida and the chick was trying to get with Jim and Jim being a good guy turned it down, he sees Stanley walk by saying, hey, you do it now. It gets a lot easier. And he walks by with another woman. <laughs> <laughs> so mad right now, Nikki, because I, I, I've been told to watch The Office on numerous occasions, and I haven't watched it yet. And I'm so mad right now because this would be so great. I know in the way that Damien knows his thing and going into it, I wish I've seen it. I, I, I chose Parks and Recreation, which I'm binging on right now. I'm almost done. I'm on the sixth season. It was either that or The Office. I flipped the coin. So I'm actually, believe it or not, it's funny, really ironic. I'm going to start watching The Office as soon as I'm done with Parks and Recreation. But, Nikki, have you ever seen this? No, I haven't. Oh. I have never seen The Office. I feel okay. The Office and boxing. I actually 
I started the looming tower because you guys know how I feel about Homeland and I was trying to fill a void and I think it did a good job, but I do need something light and fun to watch now. So I think maybe the office and then we should definitely revisit this because, uh, yes, Danny, you're very passionate about it. So <laughs> yeah. I have to watch it and see what, what, what the deal is here. Yeah. Damn. I mean, you sold me, bro. I mean, I, I, I was thinking of watching it anyway, like I said, after parks and rec, but it, now I'm fully in. That's my next show that I'm going to be. No doubt about it. I'm in. I am totally in. I can't, I can't lie to you guys. I'm highly disappointed right now. I, I know you are. I know you are. I knew it. I knew it. Because it's such a good show for what everybody says. And you should be, Dave. You should be. Yep. Like you absolutely should. We deserve more than a slap on the wrist for that one. That was that was bad news. That was bad. Oh, hey guys, man. For people who do ask me sometimes, do you guys rehearse this? No, we don't. Because Damien had no idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We know what the topics are. We just don't know what the hell we're going to say. That's it. <laughs> That's. Oh man. All right. Office coming up for me next. No doubt about it. And I'm obviously can't. I'm going to listen back to it once I get to Stanley in his role. I can't wait for it. All right, Nikki. I know you went outside the realm of sports, also. So let's hear what you got. Okay. Sticking with our under theme of underrated, I think that birthdays. And the way people view and treat their birthdays is so underrated, okay? People, like, adults get more excited for Christmas, which is weird to me, okay? (laughs) Like, your birthday, and maybe it's just because mine's coming up in a few weeks, and I'm, like, in that mode of, like, I'm going to be another year older. Like, screw New Year's, okay? The New Year's (laughs) on your birthday, okay? The day is all about you. And actually, so is the whole week and the whole weekend. And you shouldn't be working on your birthday. You shouldn't do anything remotely related to something you don't want to do. I So many people are like, whoa, it's another day. I guess I have a pair of socks. No, screw that. We're going away. We're having a nice big dinner. I want some champagne. I want a nice gift. Because you know what? I made it one more year on this godforsaken earth. And <laughs> you can get hit by a bus tomorrow. So no, I'm not working. Okay? It is a criminally underrated holiday. And your birthday should be treated as such. And some years, mine does fall on a national holiday. So I do take off. And I don't work. And if you want to sleep in and eat cake all day, then God darn it, that's what you should do. I love that. I think that is so awesome. Nobody's ever said that before. People usually try to make, ah, whatever, no big deal, birthday. It is a freaking big You're right. It is hard to survive. I sometimes wonder how I made it past five years old. I mean, you're like when you're a baby, you're helpless. Like if your parent isn't with you like 24-7, somehow you're going to like stab yourself in the in the with a pen in the eye or something i don't know it, it amazes me how people live though as long as they live on this planet not because of the hate or anything like that but because like you said you could just freaking have your headphones on look down and get smashed by a bus god forbid so you know what absolutely you're right so you know what every time that you make it another year and you survive you're damn right you should freaking celebrate it well done well done yeah yeah, and I'm right there with you. I was one of those people who didn't look at it as a big deal until I met my fiance, and she goes all out. Uh-huh. Right? And, it, and it made me appreciate like the day more. So I just turned 30 this year, and we had a big 90s birthday party. Everybody came in 90s gear, or you could dress up as a costume of somebody from the 90s. So I dressed up as Smokey from Friday. 
Ah. <laughs> and we had a blast. She's like killed it as far as doing everything for her thirtieth. We did a little staycation at a resort out here in Scottsdale, Arizona. So we make sure we do it big for our birthdays. And like I said, before that, I met her. I wasn't like a big birthday guy, but now I am. So I definitely see. I think it's a gender thing too. I think women are more prone to do the big things for their birthday than guys are. Yes. Because we don't want to admit like we want to celebrate it in the same way. So I, I agree with you there. People should celebrate different birthdays and do it more than Christmas and Thanksgiving. Those things, dude. You yeah, so. Yeah, there should right. be no shame in wanting to celebrate a day that's all about. You be selfish on that day and celebrate your birthday in style. I like that a lot. And that, that reminds me, speaking of the office and parks and recreation, the show that I watched, the main, one of the main characters name is Ron Swanson. Long story short, he doesn't like anybody knowing anything about him, not even his address, his phone number, nothing like that. And anyway, it's his birthday in the show. And he's talking to one of his coworkers and he says, I don't want anything. I don't want a party. I don't want cake. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want that. You know, name, naming everything, no presents. And two seconds later, he pokes his head back and he goes, I want all those things. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? Look, I'm pissed. I turned 40 this year in the middle of a freaking pandemic. I had a party oh. with myself, man. It was it was horrible. It was horrible. Oh. I had this whole you big party. 41, we got to make up for it. Yep. Yep. You know what? That's it. I'm just, I'll just subtract the year. I'll just say I was born in 1981 and I'll turn 40 next year. Screw it. Screw it, man. Yep, I got totally gypped out. Totally gypped. Unfair. Yeah, you did. Yeah, now 41's got to be a big one. Yeah, I got 36 coming up in a few weeks. So. Yeah, there you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> <laughs> guys are always trying to... Always trying to make me feel old, you guys. That's why I love you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, let's get into another segment over here. You know, Dinner Club Fight, one of our favorites, where we just come up with three random, maybe baseball players, football players, characters from a movie, whatever it is, anything. You come up with anything. So we got three individual people, and we're going to pick who we want to have dinner with, go to the club and party with, or have your back in a fight with. I will take the first one. And I probably know where I'm going already with this. This is not going to be hard for me. But I'll throw it to you, Nikki. All right. Speaking of fictional characters, very fictional. We have Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. What are you doing with them three? Oh, man. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Okay. I'm going to the club with Wonder Woman because I think we have a hell of a time. I'm going to go to dinner. No. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I'll go to dinner with Superman, and I'll have Batman back me up in a fight. All right, all right. Not bad, not bad. Damien, what do you got? Well, I'm going to dinner and having a date with Wonder Woman. Yep. (laughs) First thing that hit my mind. (laughs) Definitely doing that. Uh, I'm going to have Batman has all the money. So I'm going to take Batman to the club with me. We can pop bottles, do all those things. And I'm gonna have Superman have my back in the fight because in the alley, no one's gonna have kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> Great answers right there. Great answers. Yeah, for me, for a fight, uh, to back up. Look, Superman. He's basically indestructible. Indestructible, like you said. There's no kryptonite in in the alley, so forget about it. I'm having dinner with Batman because 
of how much money he has. And maybe I can get into one of his billion entrepreneurship, you know, sort of things or whatever. I make some money myself. And I am going to the club with Wonder Woman because you get her drunk and just have a great time in the dance floor. I'm not, I'm not going any further than that. I don't do that. I'm saying have a great time in the dance floor and just obviously, you know, make out in the middle of the dance floor. That's as far as it goes. Have a beautiful, wonderful kiss or maybe a slow dance will come on toward the end or something like that. But I want to party with her all night. I don't want to just sit down and have dinner with her. I want to have dancing with her and more than that. So that's why Wonder Woman is coming to the club with me. Okay. <laughs> and that's as far as I go with that one. All right. Any got any one of you's got a got a dinner club fight? Because I got plenty. All right. So for mine, I went with actors. And these actors are blockbuster guys from different generations. Oh. So I got Denzel Washington, right. Will Smith, and Michael B. Jordan. So you dinner, club, fight, Will Smith, Denzel Washington, and Michael B. Jordan. Let's start with Nikki. I want to see where she goes with this one. <laughs> Oh, well, I am going to dinner with Denzel Washington. <laughs> I am I'm going to go to the club with Will Smith. I, yeah, I am. Because I hope they play Men in Black, right? <laughs> but just, you know, little side story. My first, like, real halftime in cheerleading, our dance was Men in Black. And we were, well, they weren't Ray Dance. But, you know, we had the black sunglasses on. But I'm going to the club with Will Smith. And I'll have Michael B. Jordan back me up in a fight. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have Michael B. Jordan back me up in a fight after I already did the Black Panther, man. Forget about it. Yeah. So I I'm de- I definitely got him. He's going to back me up. Will Smith, we getting jiggy with it in the club. What are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, come on now. <laughs> and I'll be like, welcome to Miami, baby. That's it, man. Will Smith, well, pardon me. Like <laughs> there you go. There you go. And Denzel, I would that's a guy I would love to talk to. I mean, can you imagine the stories that man must have between all the movies he's made and the people that he's met? Oh man, I would love to talk to that guy. That's a good one right there. What would you do, D? Yeah, so I would go to dinner with Denzel. Like you said, all the stories. He's been around for so long, all the different actors and actresses he's worked with. Club Will Smith. I'm one of the people who got made fun of when I was younger because I listened to Will Smith. <laughs> and now people are like coming around like saying that Will Smith one of the most underrated rappers of all time speaking of our theme of today uh-huh. I've been saying that for years since like forever I've been saying that Will Smith was a truly underrated rapper and I would love to go to the club with him party we have a good time Michael B. Jordan you gotta remember has been doing these Creed movies that's so right how to good call so he's gonna definitely have my back in the fight Good call. I like that. I like that. That's right. I forgot about the Creed movies. It's very good. Yeah, he's no joke. That boy's in shape, man. He he's in he's in some serious shape. Oh, well done. I like it. I like it. All right, Nikki, you got one. I do. I figured since we were talking about announcers, we would do the announcer version. Oh. So I have Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels, or Troy Aikman. All right. Al and Troy. Okay, so Al Michaels. Troy Aikman, and who was the other one? Chris Collinsworth. And Collinsworth. Ooh. Who's going first? You want, me to, you want me to take this? Sure. All right. We got Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Troy Aikman. Okay. Wow. First of all, the, 
by default, Troy Aikman's going to back me up in a fight. I think if he just opens up his eyes wide enough, he'll look like a lizard or something and scare the hell out of people because he's got them bug eyes. So hopefully that'll happen. Uh, I, I, look, I'm talking to Al Michaels, dude. I, I mean, it, between him and Collinsworth, I'm definitely going with Al Michaels. I mean, you talk about stories. I mean, uh, do you believe in miracles? Yeah, that'd be a miracle to have dinner with him. That'd be pretty freaking awesome. So Collinsworth will come with me to the club, but I will ditch him the second we walk through the door. So that'll be all well and good because <laughs> there's no way I'm partying with him, man. So I'll be like, yo, come on in, bro. Everything's cool. Peace out of here. <laughs> what do you got, Jay? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's hard to choose somebody to club with out of these three. But <laughs> as, <laughs> as a dinner conversation, got to Al Michaels. And me being a big boxing guy, him covering – Boxing, all of the great football games, all the stories he's going to have, just amazing. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Aikman in the club. Ooh, just, be- <laughs> just because I feel like some of that 90s Cowboy stuff had to rub off on him. Like, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to have a good time. He just, you know, he just hides it. And Collinsworth being the young guy out of those two, I'm going to go with him in the fight. All right, all right. Yeah, he's a tall guy, too. Maybe he could be a little intimidating, puff up his shoulders a little bit or something like that. I can see it. Okay, okay, I can dig it. Nikki, this was yours, so what would you do? Um, I'm going to go to dinner with Chris Collinsworth and ask him why he's such a hater. Jerry um, <laughs> <laughs> Aikman in a fight, and I am definitely bringing Al Michaels to the club. It would be lit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's great. That is great. Oh, man. All right. We got time for one more, one more. Um, I was going to do the three stooges, but they don't belong really anywhere except throwing pies at each other's face. So how about, uh, all right, you know what? We'll keep with the, uh, with the fictional character theme over here and we'll do Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. I'm going to give those three guys a shot. You guys seen these movies? All right. Um, Me too. So for dinner, I'm going to go with Iron Man. That's up to him. Have a conversation with him, you know, and talk to him about all the things he knows and pick his brain. For the club, I'm going to go with Thor because Captain America seems a little tight, a little uptight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to go with Thor in the club. You have a good time. You can let yourself go a little bit. So throwing the club, then Captain America had my back in the fight. All right. All right. No doubt. Can't go wrong there. All right, Nikki, what would you do? You well, go. I think I'll take Thor in a fight. I think I'll have dinner with Captain America. And if Iron Man is Robert Downey Jr., we are going to the club. We're rolling. Uh, you, you see? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking like you with that one. I, I'm, I'm thinking like her on that one. You know, Thor, just whatever. Just electrocute everybody with your hammer. That's That's great. You know, fight over. You know, go back into the club. I'll, I'll even bring in, uh, you know, Iron Man with me with uh, Thor into the club. That'll be fun at the same time after we kick some ass in the alley. Because you're right. If it's Robert Downey Jr., the girls are flocking, and you know, I'm with them right, right next to him. You know, buying all those drinks, I'm right there. And Captain America, yeah, right. 
Captain America is like 100 years old. So, again, you want stories? You know, he dreamt for like 70 years. So I want to know what the other other side is like. You know, I'd love to <laughs> I would love to know what the afterlife is like. So that'd be pretty cool. He can tell me because he's been asleep for a while, man. Oh, geez. Third and three freaking podcasts, man. I had so much fun, guys. This was great. What a way to kick off the Sunday, huh? Awesome. It really, really is. I have such a good time. I wish we can go longer, but we have a two-hour limit in our hands over here. So we're going to say bye to everybody. But before we do that, I will say that I am Jason Fearm. You can find me on Sports Profit One on Twitter and follow us on the Third and Three podcast. All right. You want to do that? Make sure you know what time the shows are coming up. Click the link and enjoy. Damien, tell them where to find you. You can find me on social media at The Real Deal, W-D-A. That's The Real Deal, W as in Whiskey, B as in Delta, A as in Alpha. <laughs> and you can find my podcast, The Real Deal, with Damian Adams on all podcast platforms. It's an awesome show. It really is an awesome show. The guy does his thing. He can dance. He can sing. He can do a lot of stuff. But it's the words coming out of his mouth, which is most important. Right, Nikki? There you go. It is. And you can find me at Nikki Nick 9384 Twitter, Instagram, and yes, listen to Damien's show. Subscribe to his YouTube channel because he sings and dances on there. Some of the stuff's a little whack with the video <laughs> the being Hall of Fame, but subscribe because it's highly entertaining. And I put a request in for Damien to do Britney this week and Toxic, so maybe he can work it in for me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that will be a sight to behold. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, man. Again, guys, great time rest of you enjoy your weekends third and three podcasts we are out for now but we're coming back at you next week and you never know what you're going to be in for peace everybody